Welcome to today's Wisdom Workout. I'm your host, Daniel Sullivan, and today I'm going to be talking about victims. Now, when I say the word victim, I want you to think about what that word means to you. Is it a state of mind? Is it a particular person? Is it a particular circumstance? What comes to mind when you think of a victim. Now, one thing that is going to sort of be the theme between this podcast and the next podcast. The next podcast, I'm going to talk about oppressors. The theme between these is going to be how do you heal the inner victim or the inner oppressor? Now, everyone has aspects of both in many areas of their life. And what I am proposing to you is that you take today's discussion and use what you learn in order to go through areas of your life where you could be struggling and ask yourself, am I playing the role of a victim here or am I playing the role of an oppressor? Now, in my own life, for a very long period of time, I embodied the role of being a victim for a lot of reasons. Now, when I grew, th grew up, I was born and raised in Colorado Springs and I moved to San Diego, California when I was 10 years old. And this move for me was quite difficult for many reasons, but at the start it was difficult obviously because I was leaving, you know, my friends, I was leaving my home. You know, I grew up in the same house for 10 years. And so I had a lot of consistency in, you know, every day and who I saw and who I interacted with. And the move for me was a very big deal because it was really the first moment of complete instability in my life. And I'm going to be talking, you know, this week I'm releasing a podcast. This one's on victims. The next one will be on oppressors. And the one after that will be stability. And so there's kind of themes throughout all of these that will go together. But for me being a victim, right, I moved away from all my friends. I moved away from having complete stability in my group. You know, I was, I never experienced bullying when I was young, um, which I'm super grateful for because it allowed me to build an internal state of belief that would be tested for quite a while, but one that was almost impenetrable, right? And we'll go through that another time. But when I moved to California, I didn't have any friends and I just happened to make friends with um, basically the school outcast. And um, I think a big part of this is because of how open I am to everyone. And what happened is this particular individual was craving connection and because I'm open to everyone, 
I gravitated towards this person because I recognized that, you know, they were desiring connection more than others. So I became really close friends with this person and because of that, I was labeled as an outcast and I was relentlessly bullied for um, quite a few years. Um, I moved out when I was 10, so 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I was pretty relentlessly bullied. Um, so that led to a lot of things in my life, but specifically I want to talk today about being a victim, right? So there's a lot of people that deal with bullying, right? There's nothing really special about my experience, but when you are caught up solely in your own reality, it's very easy to lose perspective on the bigger picture. Now, I lived a very privileged life. You know, the, just the fact that I was able to live in San Diego, my family was able to live in San Diego, indicates to you that my family was pretty well off financially. Now, I would consider myself having been raised in lower middle class. Um, and, you know, when I, when I reached high school, it sort of separated and I became uh, middle to upper middle class. But um, I, was I was raised lower middle class and then I, I moved to San Diego and um, became sort of an outcast. And really, my only desire was, in, after the move, was I really just, I wanted to be loved, right? Everyone wants to be loved. And... You know, I really, I really wanted friends, and so that's why I feel I instantly connected with the person who desired connection the most. I was instantly gravitated toward that, towards that person, and because it was an instantaneous connection, and it was an instantaneous um, sort of flood of emotions and things like that. Now, um, after a few years of this, I really started believing that. You know, after a few years of being bullied, I started believing that, you know, I really did, didn't deserve to be loved because the the bullying was so relentless that I thought there was something wrong with me. And really, I started isolating myself. So at that same point, because I didn't believe I deserved to be loved, I also didn't believe that I deserved to have friends. So for a long time, you know, I victimized myself. Now, there's a lot of other areas of my life where I victimize myself too, but I'm using this one particular as an example because I think many people have dealt with it, um, have dealt with being bullied or being an outcast. And so I think it's something that you can connect to in terms of the lesson that I learned. Now, <clears throat> sort of the over time, right, what I did is because I was hurt so much, I isolated myself and for a really long time, you know, I, I, you know, I slept through classes. I didn't really talk to anybody during lunch. I would go into one of the, the classrooms and just, you know, either sleep or, um, you know, catch up on homework that was always perpetually late. And, um, you know, I basically just avoided people as much as possible because I didn't really trust anyone. And the big moment for me was when I started realizing that the perspective that I had that people were bad was what was preventing me from having and creating friendships. Because the perception of, you know, everyone is out to get me, you know, doesn't allow for you 
to connect with people because you don't trust them. And the specific key for me in that process was learning how to forgive the people who bullied me. Um, and one particular instance, right? One of, one of the, I had, there's many people who bullied me, but one in particular, um, I learned when I was in high school that he came from a very abusive family. So the only way that he really interacted with the world was how he was raised and how he learned how to interact with the world. So he grew up in a family that was very abusive. And so for him, that was how you were supposed to interact with the world. So it wasn't that he was a bad person. It was just that he was conditioned to interact with the world in a very particular way. And when I learned that, I was able to have empathy for him and I was able to forgive him. And this is just one example, but when I started, and I, I talk about this in my podcast on forgiveness, right? When I started forgiving others, right? I recognized that, um, you know, other people could forgive me because if I could forgive others, other people could forgive me. And when I started believing other people could forgive me, I could forgive myself, right? And in terms of forgiving myself, <clears throat> right? What I had to forgive myself for was feeling worthless, now, I don't know if how I said that made perfect sense, but when when you believe you don't deserve to be loved, it's because there is something, some barrier that um, or some belief to where you think that you are wrong in some way. Now, the forgiveness component of it came for came through in me thinking I was wrong. So I had to forgive myself if I was wrong, right? And it's a hypothetical, right? It's a perspective. You know, I had to forgive my bullies, right? Which allowed me to believe other people could forgive me for being wrong or being the bad person or the outcast, right? And once I believed other people could forgive me, I could forgive myself. And then that's what allowed me to heal my inner victim was forgiving the people who had quote unquote oppressed me and allowing that process to go full circle to where I could forgive myself for having allowed myself being, you know, oppressed or being, um, isolated or things like that. Now my plan, you know, after I had this epiphany, um, of where like, you know, if I just start forgiving people, um, my plan was really just to vulnerably share, which is what I'm essentially doing with you right now. If you're listening, you know, my, ability to vulnerably share my experiences and obviously you know we've all been through a lot allowed me to connect with people and allowed me to connect with other people who have struggles and everyone has struggles so me being vulnerable allowed me to share um a connection with other people right now one thing that i would like to highlight about vulnerability um, especially for men. So if you're, if you're a man and you're listening to this, right, vulnerability, sometimes depending on where you live and depending on the culture and conditioning you were raised with, vulnerability is seen as a weakness. And I want to propose to you that vulnerability is only a weakness in two different circumstances. Vulnerability is a weakness for a victim because a victim who is vulnerable is a never ending cycle of pain as well as an oppressor 
who is vulnerable loses all control. Now, if you are neither a victim internally or an oppressor internally, the ability to be vulnerable leads to a connection that is indescribable with other people. Um, so once I sort of healed my inner victim, I was able to share more comfortably with other people. And even when I, when I started doing that, I started realizing that, Hey, look like my problems, you know, they're really their first world problems. You know, I was never starving. Um, you know, I was never uh, afraid for my life. You know, I was never uh, in a war zone. Um, you know, many of the potential outcomes that human beings face on this planet, you know, I, I really experienced, you know, the, the least troublesome parts of sort of this reality. And so when I started vulnerably sharing, I started, you know, questioning very hardcore whether, you know, like even my pain was valid, you know, and that's a hard thing to admit to yourself. It's like, wow, like I went through so much pain, you know, and all you almost get significance from that pain. You're like, my suffering was worse than anyone else. At least I did. Right. And when I started realizing that my pain was really nothing compared to you know, the rest of the world because it's straight first world problems. I really had trouble reconciling with, you know, again, feeling like, you know, I'm worthless because, you know, if, if the problems that I'm dealing with hurt me that much, you know, then why, you know, why am I weak? You know, like things like that. So basically when you start vulnerably sharing, right, the conflict that I came into was, oh shit, like, you know, what I'm sharing, like, that makes me really weak. You know, the fact that I struggled with this when other people struggle with so much more. And then I had to deal with that, right? And and that's why, you know, vulnerability is only a weakness within a victim or an oppressor, right? Because, you know, the stuff that I dealt with, it was valid for my perception, my reality. But because of other people's reality, you know, if, if I wanted to continue to play the role of the victim you know, I wouldn't be able to share vulnerably because if I wanted to play the story out of being a victim, I would not have been able to face the reality that my problems weren't that bad, if that makes sense. So, you know, after I faced this conflict of like, hey, look, my problems weren't that bad and I overcame it, right? I started really realizing that, you know, I can, I have an a, incredible ability to connect with people. And, you know, I started sharing vulnerably, even though, you know, I recognized that my problems were that bad. What I did is, you know, I, I used sort of like humor in a way to alleviate the tension of sharing vulnerably. And it allowed me to connect with people who, you know, I never really saw as friends, you know, people I knew. And I, you know, I would have these deep conversations with them and then instantly we would become hyper-connected. And so, you know, my original desire of just wanting to be loved and wanting to have friends was instantaneously solved because I escaped the role of my own victimhood and stepped into an empowered position of being able to share vulnerably without my me feeling judged by myself or being judged by my peers. And then other people opened up, which allowed me to connect to them. And now that I've been through that, you know, now that I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of connections and I have a lot of love in my life, you know, I 
the, you know, the whole cycle finished, right? The, I forgave other people. I believed other people could forgive me and I forgave myself, which allowed me to start to love myself. And now because of that, I am in control of my own emotions. I am in, more in control of my own reality because I am allowing specific aspects to come through and I'm not allowing other aspects to come through. Like I'm no longer letting myself become a victim, no matter how hard it gets, no matter, you know, what trouble I go through, I will never allow myself to play the role of the victim because I recognize that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like my problems aren't that bad. So I'd like to propose that to you. Like where in your life are you playing the role of a victim and how is it inhibiting you from becoming the best version you can be? And, you know, the next podcast, we're going to be talking about oppressors. And one of the biggest differences between, you know, the victims and the oppressors is it's much, much easier to heal a victim mentality than it is to heal an oppressor's mentality. That's a big thing. And the first step to really embodying, you know, the highest version of yourself is to heal your inner victim. Where in your life are you playing the role of a victim? And how can you heal that? And then what I would say is really do the work to heal that aspect of your life. Because when you play the role of a victim, you lose all power. When you put the blame on somebody else instead of yourself, you lose all the power in your life. You lose all control because everything's happening to you right? Rather than you experiencing reality and reality is an experience for you. You know, with a victim, stuff happens to you and you have to deal with it. With somebody who can enjoy reality and play with it, right? Life is happening for them. So I would, I would propose to you that you should escape the feeling or the state of being where reality is happening to you because that's being a victim. And I would say move closer to realities happening for you, where you get to control the outcome through your perception. You can't necessarily dictate the reality, but you can dictate your perspective and your perception of what happens. Um, a couple quick more notes about victims is in society on a macro scale, <clears throat> we have this perspective that women are typically the victims in a lot of areas. Now this is true for many things, but what I would also propose is that energetically, what happens is, you know, you, you're either moving in an upward spiral or a downward spiral. And I would say that on a societal macro level, the reason that we perceive women to be victims more than men is particularly because being victimized, the state of being a victim is more so a feminine energy than a masculine energy, particularly because of the way the energy moves, right? A victim, right, is negative energy coming inward, right? And being an oppressor is negative energy going outward, right? And if you want to, if you want me to give you an example of this biologically, right? The feminine nature, right, which appears in most women, right? Some women are masculine, um, but we're talking specifically about energy, right? The feminine brings energy in, right? Like even if you're talking about sex, right? Like the energy is going in, 
right? Or, you know, the thing is going in. <laughs> and that's more of the sort of feminine energy and how it moves, right? Whereas the masculine, you're pushing out, right? So you're, you know, taking your energy and pushing it into something else, right? Now I'm not, I'm kind of partially making a sexual analogy here, but um, I'm specifically speaking more towards the energy of it, right? There are many men who are victims and there are many women who are victims, right? But the energy of victimhood is one that is coming internally, right? It's, it's pushing internally um, rather than externally. So if you want to heal your victimhood, typically there are aspects of your feminine energy and everybody has feminine, everybody has masculine energy. There are aspects within your feminine energy that need to be healed. So that could be another frame of mind that helps you, right? Where in your life, if you don't know exactly where in your life you're playing the role of a victim, victim, I would say look to the areas of your life where you are embodying a more um, flow state sort of energy rather than like a decisive um, consistent action. It's more like where in your life are you sort of hiding away or maneuvering around and dancing around the actual issue. Um, now, if I'm not clear on this, um, please sort of reach out to me, um, so I can speak more about it because this was not designed in any sort of condescending fashion. It's how I experience reality and how I see other people experience reality. Like me playing the role of the victim, I was in a feminine embodied state in myself, um, because I was allowing myself to get fucked essentially, um, energetically and emotionally. Um, whereas the oppressor has the opposite problem. And I'll talk about that more in the next podcast. Um, I would say that in order to escape the role of being a victim, um, embody becoming a servant, become a servant to other people who have had things happen to them. And then you'll become more empathic and you'll live a much better life. And remember the key to healing the victim is forgiveness. And that's all for today's wisdom workout.